Hi, this is Joyce Bulletin. You're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson with a reminder that we will replay our conversation with actor James McKeachin that originally aired Veterans Day weekend 2014 beginning at the top of the hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Greg Airbar is with us for another look at recently released DVD or streaming titles that we think you will find of interest. Greg Airbar, author of the forthcoming book, Hanna-Barbera, The Recorded History. You can read Greg Airbar twice a month, cartoonresearch.com. Greg has a special guest this week, that being actor, author, and comedian Nick Santa Maria. Nick is the co-author of the annotated Abbott and Costello new book that is due out later this year from our friends at McFarland Books. Greg and Nick talked about two new Abbott and Costello Blu-ray releases from our friends at Classic Flicks. Com. Last week, we talked about the digitally restored release of Jack and the Beanstalk, starring Abbott and Costello, now available from Classic Flicks. With that in mind... Good, since we were talking about New York, should we mosey on down the street to Mr. Field's uh, building His and talk house. about the other release, which is the Blu-ray, again, looking so nice, because we watch these things on local stations at, you know, 11.30 at night, and they looked not so nice. This is a crystalline copies of the uh, Abbott and Costello show, season one. These are the ones with Stinky and Mr. Fields being all these different people. Melanie Fields. (laughs) Yeah, these are the ones with almost all of their great routines and the lovely and explicable presence of the room. Yeah, Hillary Brooke living inexplicably in their building. <laughs> I am in love with Lou. You know, you know what? Speaking of New York, she she was from Brooklyn. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, and the and the prototype for Seinfeld. Very much yeah. so. The rhythm of the Abbott and Costello television series. Jerry Jerry Seinfeld's very explicit. He said, "We that was our Bible. That that was that what was we patterned ourselves after." Mm-hmm. And boy, talk about a, a wild template. That show, especially the first season, the second, they're working on the second season now, by the way. Uh, they're restoring it. The first season, again, Lou owned this show. Bud worked for him. And Lou wanted to get every one of their routines on film, on film that he owned. So that means that their versions of these routines were wholly uh, owned by Lou Costello. And if you, you look at it more broadly, by Abbott. So he did that. And that's why all of a sudden, you know, a, a, whatever plot there is, and I'm holding up quotation marks, <laughs> uh, fit they fit in as many routines as they could. And it's it, it comes off as wild. It comes off as, as almost spontaneous. And Lou is ad-libbing all over the place. He's Let me just give you one quick thing about Abbott and Costello and their work methods. And this is why I think maybe they don't have that same level of respect that say Laurel and Hardy do. They were not rehearsers. They barely read their scripts, even the movie scripts. They would show up on the set after the the assistant director would go over and break up their card game. They would come over to the <laughs> set and they'd say, okay, what are we doing? And they're like, okay, well, you have to, you, you come in, the little girl needs some medicine. And so Lou, you tell her you're gonna get the medicine and then the two of you, you know, make your way out. That's all they needed. And then all of a sudden it's a scene, you know? To be honest, I, I've been 
I hate I hate to talk this way, but I've been a comedian for almost 50 years now, and that's the way I work. I don't like spontaneity to be sucked out by too many rehearsals. It's one of the reasons that people stopped hiring me for uh, like theater, musical theater, because I like to be free. I like to, you know, whatever. I like to play. That's that's my thing. Uh, but Lou was exactly the same way, and they would always have an extra camera on him because you never knew what he was going to do. So anyway, that's a very loosey goosey show, very funny. But that's the way a lot of great comics work, because that's the way Robin Williams worked with the extra camera, and that's the way famously Gleason worked. Yeah, yeah, and they were very good friends, by the way, Gleason and Lou. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, this started with their movies back in, like, 1941. Uh, the director, Arthur Lubin, just said, wait a minute, we're, we're missing some gold here. Get another camera. So they started it there. Um, he was a wild man. Lou was just, you know, he was a great improviser, uh, he was a great verbal comic and an amazing physical comic. I don't understand why that people look down on it. Comedy is, is, is in a way, just like animation is kind of a stepchild to live action. You know, you, a director has to go into live action. It's going all the way back to Frank Tashlin to be a director. And a, and a television actor goes into movies and that kind of thing. Even though comedy is harder... It, it doesn't seem like it, and it doesn't. It isn't again important to an Oscars, you know. It's because it, you have right. to laugh at it, and yet laughter is an emotion. It seems frivolous in some way, and taken for granted. And yet, so many classics are comedies. I love Lucy as a comedy. Uh, Abbott and Costello were bur burlesque comedians, and so they don't seem as refined. They're more the street comic, the New Yorkese comic, and that's one thing. The other thing is comedy in general just like animation isn't looked upon because you look at it even now you, you go back to frank tashlin he was making the uh, terrific comedies but uh, but he was making terrific cartoons but people think oh frank tashlin and he made movies and it's the same thing now you've got these great pixar uh animate animation directors but they got to get into movies oh well he made mission impossible yeah but he made the incredibles you know brad bird which is more important but what wins best picture wins best actor comedy isn't important um, it also it also looks easy comedy it looks, looks easy. so easy yes it uh -huh. does and if people knew how difficult it is to put a comedy up it's so delicate it's like a a, a watch it's like putting together a watch you have to yep. <laughs> that's a good uh, uh, thing about timing i guess <laughs> <laughs> but you, it, it's it's intricate it's very intricate and all every audience is different which makes it really hard. But uh, it's the Fred Astaire theory. You know, people look at Fred Astaire and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, he's great. Do you know how much work went into that thing that you just kind of sloughed off by saying, oh, yeah, it's great? It looks easy. He makes it look easy. You have to work very hard to make it look as natural and easy and seamless as it appears on screen. Well, Ed and I can tell you also that when, <laughs> when you're a writer, it's kind of an invisible art because everybody writes things, especially now because of uh, email and uh, social media. Everybody writes. Mm -hmm. And so they, a lot of people don't understand what the difference is between writing and being a writer. They just don't see what, well, what it is that you do. But you, when you have to sit down and write a thing, it never ceases to be daunting because oh, yeah. it's not 
easy to do. <laughs> that, that blank, that blank page. That first it's easy blank to page. do a terrible job at it, but it's not easy to do. No, it's not. Not at and all. When you do well, you don't. You sh you should see it happening just like a composer a film composer you're not supposed to hear it really mm -hmm. and it's don't don't let them see you sweat quote unquote everybody writes but not everybody writes books that's a whole different skill set stay with us folks we'll be right back how the tonight show covered up bill cosby's blatant sexual inappropriateness tv inside out is the new book full of true stories of hollywood double dealing and broken promises blackmail schemes, suicides, and murder plots. You never knew how many of your favorite performers cracked under the pressure. What fellow comedian sat at Rodney Dangerfield's deathbed for hours every day, unsuccessfully hoping to bring him out of his coma? How big was the check Mel Blanc's son received after fighting with Warner Brothers for 50 years of cartoon residuals? Who was the one citizen of Mayberry that Andy Griffith feuded with? What chart-topping pop rock and roll group suddenly had eight contracted appearances on The Ed Sullivan Show canceled following a backstage argument? TV Inside Out goes behind our screens and behind the scenes. TV Inside Out is the first book to so fully reveal the drama behind TV's dramatic series. The misery at the happiest sitcoms. The private whispers in talk show dressing rooms and the games people play behind the scenes at your favorite game shows. The troubled souls and the bold-faced lies. More all-true, fully vetted, direct from the sources stories than any other look behind the scenes ever. TV Inside Out guarantees you'll never watch TV the same way again. Nick Santa Maria's latest book, The Annotated Abbott and Costello due out sometime in December 2022 from our friends in McFarland, if all goes well. Greg's forthcoming history filmography of Hanna-Barbera due out sometime in 2024, if all goes well. We're talking about the Blu-ray release of the Abbott and Costello show season one from the, uh, was it 51 or 52, if I remember correctly, was the first season. I believe it was. 51. 51. They shot it in 51. Okay. Oh, 51, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny. It's right when they were making Jack and the Beanstalk because uh, Bud Abbott's mustache appears and disappears. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you remember the, the scene in the show where all of us, they, they have to, he pretends the mustache is there because he has to disguise himself? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, there's a mustache. <laughs> so Jack and the Beanstalk was the first film he had the mustache in. If you like... Warner Brothers cartoons, if you like The Honeymooners and Lucy and that kind of comedy that's very rich in, oh, wait, I can't wait for this scene to come up. I can't wait for this part to come up. You'll like these because they're rewatchable and you'll have your favorites. Um, one of my favorite routines is one that they're not that's not even quoted much. And I think it's in the getting a job one where they uh -huh. go to Fields employment agency and he says, you have to act like you don't want a job, mm -hmm. and the, uh, you have to belittle everything, and they and they criticize everything in his office and the and his wife, yeah, and the carpeting and all, and he throws them out. And then what's even funnier is when they come back and do an exaggerated overpraising. My goodness, this lady! If I was, if this was not your wife, it was, and I could see also. Art Carney and Jackie Gleason doing a similar thing because it's mm -hmm. that 
with Mrs. Wiedemeyer, you know, yeah. was, which is one of my favorite honeymooners because it's so, it's so beautifully executed, you know, it, it, and you, and you, you want to see it over and over again, even though you, you know it by heart, you want to memorize. So it's so much fun. I make a point in the book. We go back, let's go back to why they uh, didn't have the respect maybe that others did. Uh, Groucho Marx said two things about Abbott and Costello. One was that Bud Abbott was the greatest straight man of all time. And I have to agree with him. Uh, number two, he said that he thought Abbott and Costello were lazy lazy comedians because they relied on their sketches over and over and over again not only on stage but in several films on their television shows their live tv shows on the colgate comedy hour and my point was that you can't really hold that against them because it would be the way the audience saw it uh imagine going to a sinatra concert and he doesn't do new york new york i've got you under my skin yeah. or any number of songs that he sang over and over and over again because the audience wanted it they wanted abbott and costello to do these routines because to be honest with you they seldom did them the same way you know find look at every version of who's on first that's available to you every one of them will be different yeah yeah so yes. why not you know, why not? The greatest hits, you know, it's it's exactly true. And it's it became a blessing and a curse. And I think in the movie, maybe it was who done it. You, this is probably in your book because um, they actually make fun of the fact that who's on, on the radio. Yeah, because they knew they were overdoing things. Mm -hmm. And I think at some point they he was trying not to do the things a lot. But yet people expected that of them. Steve Martin ran into the same problem, you know, and he couldn't even tell when he was funny anymore because he would book these stadiums and anything he said was getting cheers and screams and people were saying his lines back to him because mm -hmm. they met them. So they were in the same situation. It goes back to my soapbox about Hanna-Barbera. They were always accused of that. And it was not it was not an accusation that wasn't just. But it was a situation where their great success was volume and what worked. And Barbero would constantly say, we do go in pitching other stuff, but this is what I can sell. And this is what sells. And this is what keeps us open. And we, and there's so much of it that it starts doing that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a vicious cycle. So what do we do? We do keep trying to do other stuff, but mm -hmm. what do you, you know, so it's, it's a dilemma, but it's also, in a way, a good thing, but not always. But sitting back and criticizing it is not fair all the time. Mm -hmm. you know? No, I agree. But it's content, and content works for a program like this. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> as long as you understand we are content. What it <laughs> yeah, but, but, you know, that's what's so cool about these episodes, you know, and let's give Stinky some time. Oh, I mean, Joe God. Gossip. When we were kids, Stinky, you know, uh, Gilbert Gottfried, um, God rest his soul, when he was, he, he said Stinky used to scare him. We we would cheer when Stinky came I on. I loved him. I, I never I, understood that, you know? Did, but then again, think about watch. it, Greg. Think about it. Here was a, here was a fat, middle-aged man <laughs> dressed in a little Lord Fauntleroy. <laughs> we, we never questioned it. We never, I never questioned it. I thought it was one of the funniest things ever. Nowadays, there'd have to be an origin story of how he became stinky. 
<laughs> the backstory. <laughs> oh, that's great. You're right. You're right. That is part of the um, – that's one of the go-to tropes in movie making and superhero TV shows. I'm trying to remember, is is Stinky the uh, like the equivalent of what Newman was on Seinfeld or, or is it – yeah, that's a good. That's a good, very good assessment. Because because Stinky was kind of the bane of Costello's existence. <laughs> he was always sucking him into these games, and Lou would always end up losing. You know, getting hurt somehow. Uh, sometimes it turned around on Stinky. Of course, I love that name. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they were old friends. They loved working together. Uh, uh, they knew each other way back. You know, in burlesque and, and all that whole thing. He was uh, a big fan, actually, of Joe Besser's. Lou was. Season one of the Abbott and Costello show, fully restored, now available through classic flicks, as is Jack and the Beanstalk, the feature-length children's movie produced by and starring Abbott and Costello, also available through classic flicks. Nick Sinemaria's book, the annotated Abbott and Costello coming in December 2022, if all goes well, through our friends in McFarland Books. We'll replay our conversation with James McEachin from Veterans Day weekend 2014. We come back for hour number two of TV Confidential. Stay with us. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at tvconfidential on instagram and if you're listening to us on the tv confidential podcast please be sure to hit the subscribe button This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.